ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in to a post-mortem edition of the Sox on Tap post-game show. we got a three-way going on here, all live, in person, Johnny Nani, joined by Akins and Tony on Tap. Um, guys, it's over. It's over. Cue up the Yerman Mercedes um, uh, Instagram post. that uh, It's actually officially over. White Sox eliminated last night with a win by the Mariners, and uh, it feels bad, guys. It feels bad. Doesn't doesn't feel good at all. I mean, it it kind of feels like me after a round of eighteen holes of golf. You feel like trash, just worn down, <laughs> tired, need another beer, and it's it's not a victory beer. It's definitely a misery beer. But uh, that's that's kind of how it feels. I think the the weirdest thing about it is we're actually here with you after a White Sox win, first time in like over a week. But that's neither here nor there, Kins. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, it was great hanging out with you guys today. Uh, Tony alluded to it. We played some golf today. Uh, it was fun getting out on the links with you guys today. Uh, we hit some balls out there that were hit further than some of the White Sox have all year. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I think we can take that as a positive. Um, but yeah, no, um, the season's officially over as if it wasn't already. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And it's tough to think of it this way uh, with all of the high hopes that we had coming into this year, but we're at the point now where uh, if you heard Lucas Giolito post game, he was just saying at this point, they just want to go 500. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah. That's kind of a jumping off point here. And I think we talked about it and it would have just been better if you said the, the kind of casual cliche sort of thing, right? We're just going to go out and every day we, you know, hope to expect to win, uh, do the things, you know, it, it put in the work still, um, correct some of the things that went wrong. But no, we kind of like, you know, rearranged some goalposts there. And I understand it like what it's hard in that situation for any of those guys because um, they're frustrated talking to it. But just hearing that, hearing that, oh, we want to go over 500. Considering where the expectations were for the season just makes it that much more bitter here down at the end, Tony. It does. Uh, you know, obviously getting over 500 for the end of this season. Yeah, you've got to take something out of it. I understand where Lucas Giolito comes out and says that. To me, you just say, we're going out there to win every single ball game. Don't put 500 into the mix here. <laughs> yeah. Just don't put 500 into the mix because it's, this has been a 500 team all year. I, I expect them to finish <laughs> 500. Yeah. 81, uh, you know, and and if you don't, and you're anywhere underneath that, I mean, that's just going to be another joke. So uh, I don't understand why they just didn't, you know, curtail that a little bit right. more. But 
here we are. You can go tinfoil hat time early. Are they trying to just go and uh, make Rick Hanita's words from 2016 about the mired in mediocrity comments? Maybe he could be at this point. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say on this. I mean, if the goal is to go five or above 500, then that's still right, you know, hey, right around that second place. Yeah. Second place. Yeah. Second now, place. Now, now you get into the Jerry territory, yeah, right? The, 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 the finish, territory. finish second every year. How yeah. does Jerry feel about third pace? though because that uh is also a pretty realistic possibility yeah, i don't point. think jerry feels great about third place i don't think well, anybody feels great about third place well right and now. the boys better come out and ready to play uh you know we've said it a lot all of these games the rest of the way are the most important game of the year uh i guess the series with the padres and then closing out with the twins and at least Jerry's mind are some of the most important games of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a sad state to be in as White Sox fans, but obviously officially over now. Um, guys, I think we are talking about a little bit on the course, but um, as much as it obviously sucks, it's painful. Uh, we we want to be playing postseason baseball in a couple of weeks uh, and not going and hitting the links. We don't want the White Sox to be hitting the links like we were today. Um, but We've sat in the middle in kind of the limbo, right, for so long. I want, either want to be in it or out of it. So now at least they put me out of my misery. Hey, some clarity. Yeah. Some yeah. clarity amongst the White Sox fans is, at this point, the most clarity that we have around this team. There's only one thing that you know as a White Sox fan right now, and that is they're not making the fucking playoffs this year. That's it. Everything else is up for grabs. Who's your manager? No fucking clue. Who's going to be your GM next year? I don't know because it might be Rick Hahn. You have no idea. Who's going to be playing first base for your White Sox next year? No, no idea. Everything else is up in the air. We know one thing. They're not making the fucking playoffs. Yeah. That's the only clarity that they've provided us up until this point. And I like your point, Johnny, what you said. It's nice to just kind of be away from this in, in between period. Now, at the very least, you know, there will be a few headlines here and there that will come up. but. At the very least, until maybe around Thanksgiving and in, into the middle of the winter, there's not going to be much to pay attention to. We can move on with our lives until the hot stove starts to hit. And then at that point, hopefully the hot stove does get hot. And there are some moves that will make us be excited for next year. Because right now, with how things look, moves need to be made. And yeah. there are significant changes that need to happen if the White Sox want to take the central back. Yeah. So on Sunday, fun day, I think Steve and Tony and I, we discussed this a little bit and we talked a lot about manager, but you, you talked about hot stove there, um, Andrew. And I just want to go and dive in and a little bit on that. When, when we're looking ahead to next year, changes that this team has to make, obviously there's a culture sort of, we, we had talked about what a clubhouse cancer uh, potentially yep. uh, of sorts, uh, a mentality shift that needs to happen going into 2023. But uh, let's talk some personnel. Who's going to be here? Who's not? What, who could they possibly add in the offseason to help right the ship here? I'll go ahead and uh, turn it over to you guys because um, it's kind of on everyone's mind right now thinking, how can we improve for 2023? And I got to say, it's a fucking hard job. So whoever's manning that, whether it be Rick Connor or whoever, um, there's no clear-cut answers, and you probably won't find out until the end of the 2023 season if they worked out or not. So hard job, but let's do our best to try and predict some shit here. Go ahead. Hey, I mean, if you want to improve, Aaron Judge is a free agent. Right? <laughs> so if you want to improve – Wait, he's, he's right-handed, though. You can't have yeah, that. You need things, a lefty. <laughs> there's, there's, there's options out there. However, I think that those ships have sailed. But if you're going to give me the floor here and say, how would you fix this? 
well, Aaron Judge would look mighty nice in, in right field hitting a bunch of bombs uh, for the Chicago White Sox. We know how I feel about fireworks. I fucking love them. Aaron Judge obviously doing that whole firework hitting thing. You know, ball go far, team go far, as Steve says. That's not happening. Get it out of your mind. Uh, it's, it's, it's so far-fetched. You go look at what they can actually do. And we were talking about a little of this uh, on the golf course today. Elvis Andrews. You know, looked good when he came here. I think he was in, what, an 0-for-20-something stretch. He said that he wants to come back. He'll switch positions. Obviously, second base is in need. I think catcher is in need as well. I don't know if I'm comfortable riding Sebi Zavala in as my starting catcher next year. Who knows what you're going to get out of Yasmani Grandal. Obviously, you would have liked the White Sox to have done something up until this point with his contract. That hasn't worked out. Who wants um, it? Nobody wants it. Nobody wants <laughs> it. So he's going to be here, but obviously you're going to have some need behind the plate next year. So I think they need to address the catcher position. Um, you know, I'm, I'm less inclined to say they need a right fielder right now. You've got uh, a good full season out of Gavin Sheets. You've got Oscar Colas uh, pressing. Uh, so I don't think that that's really a need. The back end of your bullpen, which seemingly they've thrown tons and tons of money at, uh, hasn't really panned out there. So I would see where they would want to address that. But the biggest need, in my opinion, going into next year is starting pitching. Yeah, I really couldn't agree more with the starting pitching point, Tony. And also, I also couldn't agree more with the point that the Aaron Judge stream and, and uh, the fantasy is very far-fetched. Uh, if the Sox had a seat at the table when it came to Bryce Harper <laughs> and Manny Machado, uh, when it comes to Aaron Judge – they don't even have a seat at the table. They can't even find a parking spot to get into the meeting where there is that seat at the table. Right. Uh, so that's not happening. I mean, but, we're all sitting around a table right now. Yeah. It, it, it's a small table. I'm not sure the Sox <laughs> can squeeze in there. Um, but yeah, when it comes to starting pitching, they really do need to make some work there. Um, you, you would really hope to see another big jump from Dylan Cease next year. And then, You'll have Lance Lynn back. Hopefully he can be healthy next year right off the bat and really contribute and be somewhat of that anchor that he was back in 2021. And from what we've seen flashes of once he really started to get right here in the 2022 season. And then beyond that, there's a lot of question marks. You would hope that Michael Kopech could have a jump similar to that of Dylan Cease uh, from his 2019, 2020 and uh uh, 2021 seasons into this year, uh, you would hope that he would have a gradual progression, but from there, you just don't really know. And then after that, when it comes to guys like Lucas Giolito and, uh, you know, Johnny Cueto, you would like to think that Lucas Giolito is still that guy from 2020 and 2021. Starting to get farther away from that number. I know. Yeah. <laughs> He's just not pumping that 97, 98 that he once was, and he really doesn't have a third pitch. So uh, he becomes a great trade candidate this offseason where you are selling low on him, but I think there is still value there on the open market for a team that could really use a fourth or fifth starting pitcher and would be willing to take on a, a reclamation project like him. Um, <laughs> That's where we're at with Lucas Julio, yeah. folks. <laughs> Honestly, wow. I mean, yeah, I Here think we are. I, I think he does have a lot of good stuff, you know, when he's on, but it's, 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 it's going to take a fresh mind when it comes to him. So that's all I'll say there. Uh, 
you know, could definitely use another arm out there because another guy that people would like to toss out there is Garrett Crochet. I think he's not going to be built up to the point where he can handle a, a, a full starter's load. Yeah. I think you're going to get Michael Kopech. Yes, from 2021 with him, absolutely. Well, not even 21. I think they're going to try and push him to go and get in that starting rotation next year, but you might only get 160 innings out of him. Maximum. That's, gen- that's generous. Yeah. Maybe 120. Yeah. If, I you're, was, if, you're, if you're really going to push it, I, you know what? 160 sounds unrealistic to me yeah. now that I think about it. 110. Me personally yeah. with him, I, I, I think a great spot for him would be the Michael Kopech hybrid, hybrid role of last year where he would get some spot starts here and there. Other than that, be used in somewhat of a mix between some long relief appearances and when needed be put in a high leverage spot because as long as he's throwing 103, I'm fine. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I see you guys brought up a lot of needs there, but I think one kind of big area that that's a question mark. We heard it yesterday. Um, Luis Robert believes the White Sox should 100% bring back Jose Bray. You know, shock there, uh, country mate. Um, obviously, those guys, those Cubans, they, they love him. He's obviously been a leader in here ever since he showed up uh, on the south side, really. But um, on expiring contract, going to turn 36 in uh, January. And I understand he has been one of your best players. So it, it is, it, it, on one level, it seems like a no-brainer to bring him back. When you go and sift through the layers, right, it's, okay, well, we played guys out of position all the time all year. Andrew Vaughn was drafted as, at least in my mind, I don't know, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you believe he was going to be the successor to Jose Brayu at some point? Um, sort of, yeah. This is, yeah. In my mind, just thinking about this, and it might be, you know, some people might love this, some people might hate it. I think it's a natural breaking point right here uh, into the transition there. So while yes, you are losing a leader, and there's a lot to be replaced there. I know there's multi layers to this in terms of contractual issues and positioning issues this would be the natural point to transition Andrew Vaughn into full-time first base so do the White Sox bring back Jose Breu and then um you know what do you do to kind of replace some of that leadership some of that um sort of you know then that's if if he if he goes um it's kind of a you know a lot of open-ended stuff here because then you go into the DH role then oh we'll just bring Breu back and let him DH more if Vaughn wants to play first well you got Eloy there who can't really play the outfield all the time. You got Yaz who can't, you know, the knees are shot. It's all mm-hmm. shit. We, we already know that. You've got Gavin Sheets. I know he had some respectable, uh, you know, outfield numbers at some points. But at the same time, you also kind of view him, his body type is a first base DH, right? Um, it, it's very log jammed. And then if you go and bring back Jose Breu, it kind of creates some of the same issues and it becomes cyclical in that regard to me. So, Early on in this thing, when I'm just thinking about it, how to move these pieces around, like I said, it's not easy to do any of this. I would probably move on from it. I know that's not probably too popular, but that's just my take on it. What do you guys think? I think so too. And I think more so what it comes down to is if you're the White Sox front office, you can keep two of the three between Abreu, Eloy, and Vaughn. Now, who those two are, uh, will really kind of be up to Rick Hahn and Jerry Ryan Zorv, all of those guys. I think I would be surprised if I did not see him back. Jerry Ryan Zorf's a very loyal guy, as we know, sometimes loyal to a fault. Actually, 
more often than not loyal to a fault. <laughs> so I would be surprised if I didn't see Jose Abreu back. Although I think for the trajectory of this team moving forward for years to come, I think the two that I would keep would be Eloy and Vaughn. But um, I think that as we alluded to earlier, this front office is going to be very, very, very busy this off season. We're going to see moves made that we didn't expect. And I think at the very least, if there's a inclination that they want to keep Andrew or if they want to keep Jose Abreu around, um, I think that Jerry will have Rick Hahn on the phone very frequently and essentially see what these offers are on the open market for a guy like Vaughn or Eloy. I think that Jose Abreu is coming back. I think that that's almost a sealed deal. Now where I'm at with this is if, and when they do bring him back, here's what I hope happens. There is an open, honest conversation with Jose Abreu about his playing time at first base and being in the lineup every single day, because you want to see growth from Andrew Vaughn. If you're not going to move on from Andrew Vaughn, and that's an organizational cornerstone that you think that Andrew Vaughn is, you need to give him that experience to be that successor. I don't know if Jose Abreu is going to play that way. He's a guy that likes to be in the lineup every single day. Um, It was almost a shock to see him off. Just what was that in the first game of this series or the last game of uh, uh, last series on Sunday? Yeah, against. Yeah, he was he was off. That's that's big news when Jose Abreu has a day off. But if he's coming back, I think this goes back to you know you've got a managerial change that's most likely going to happen here. Obviously, Tony Larusa doesn't finish the season with the team. You're going to have a new manager in here. Uh, in spring is what uh, it seems like is going to happen. You got to, we talk about setting the tone. I hate to be cliche, but you have to set the tone with Jose Abreu. If you're coming back, it's year to year and you're not at first base every day because you have to give Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets, whoever's on this roster, the opportunity to play a little bit more frequently in the earlier part of the season. Now, Abreu is also a bat that when you take him out of this lineup, it's it's going to have some ramifications there. I don't think that Andrew Vaughn's bat has advanced enough. I think that Eloy Jimenez is still going to have injury struggles, whether or not he's playing left field or just a full time DH. You're going to have one of these one of those two guys is either going to go through streaky spots, slumps, injuries, all of that other shit, and you're going to want a guy like Jose Abreu around. If he's not here on this team, where are you going? I mean, obviously you can give some at-bats to Gavin Sheets, but let's go look at the depth that this organization has at first base. Yeah, it's it's kind of loaded up front. Are you giving those at-bats to Jake Berger? How are you trying to maneuver around this? I would rather see them bring back Abreu and have a problem of, I've got too many major league-ready guys to play on this, quote-unquote, as Rick Hahn would say, World Series caliber team. I'd rather have that problem than, all right, it's clear cut and dry that Andrew Vaughn's going to be my first baseman and see him struggle next year or get injured or have any other issue and then see Jose Abreu off, you know, somewhere else. I would rather keep the pieces that we know here that, that work, figure out how to make it work on the ball field is a totally different thing. 
yeah, we're loaded in certain positions. We haven't dealt from strength, so to speak, on the on the open trade market. But to see Jose Abreu just walk totally eliminates your ability to move a guy like Andrew Vaughn or a guy like Eloy Jimenez at the trade deadline next year if you need to, or even next offseason. Lock him up for a year or two, figure it out, because I don't think that your answers are as clear, cut, and dry as everybody wants to make them out to be right now. I think that if you're going to do that, and that's, I think they probably will, then one of those two. I'll go and subscribe to Ken's theory. Move one of them then. Move either Eloy or Andrew Vaughn and actually address positions of need. That that would be my uh, – I, I just don't see them doing letting, that because letting I – Let them walk for nothing. Right. I don't They're, think – there's yeah, there's, so there's that aspect to it too. Like I said, I, I kind of went with like the the breaking point or excuse me, the, the transition point theory uh, with, with my approach there. But if you're going to keep Jose Berry, which once again I agree with you that I would kind of be shocked if he wasn't back. Um, I, I would like to see one of those other guys move to address uh, needs out there. And I know you guys talked about um, brought, brought up outfield and other needs there. I know uh, starting pitching obviously um, is one of those. But when when I go and look at that, I would like. A goddamn everyday actual outfielder there. I'm sorry. I cannot see Andrew Vaughn out there anymore. Even Gavin Sheets, for as much as he was able to contribute there, the bat is not doing enough to absolutely justify having that. You got to have at least one other decent to plus defender out there uh, alongside Luis Robert. And that's another thing. That guy's got to stay healthy too. So um, that when you're talking about trading some of those guys, um, that's where you could bring in uh, possibly a return there. Second base, obviously, if you don't go the Andrews route there, um, it's you got you got to fulfill some of those needs. And uh, guys, one thing that we haven't really even touched on is the White Sox were atrocious defensively this year, um, fundamentally uh, from an aspect there, and, and then also just like I said, guys playing out of position, so you're giving up certain you know extra bases, you're giving up runs uh, via incompetent outfielders. You got rule changes coming next year that's going to make defense all the more important and they would be idiotic to go in and try and jam square pegs into round holes in the outfield again next year. I I don't disagree with you there. And we've talked a little bit about some of the rule changes on this show. Uh, the game's going to get a little bit faster. It's going to be a little bit more important to cut down runs. I, I'm, I'm also over Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets in left and right. And the only reason I say this right now is because something that you said, Johnny, the bats haven't made up for it yet. Right. It's one thing. Both of those guys had 30 home runs this season. I don't think we'd even give a shit about how they're playing on defense. We didn't even come close. Right. Kins, I don't know if you've got anything on that. No, I I think we pretty much nailed that right there. Yeah. it is just tough to go and see them struggle like that. And there, it goes just beyond the inability to field those positions. Obviously, you want to have that baseline there. But whoever comes in as manager, that's the next topic that we're going to get to, guys. But whoever comes in as manager absolutely has to instill the fundamentals. We saw, I think everybody's seen the Jay Kuda supercut, right, of the White Sox drop the ball this year quite literally. Have you seen that, Tony? I think everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Um they cannot hit cutoff men. When they do, those guys drop the ball a lot. They can't get it into the catcher. And when they do, those guys <laughs> miss the ball a lot too. Uh, there needs to be a fundamental installation there. And uh, it seems very kind of elementary uh, on that level, kind of high school baseball, will you? Um, but they're going to need a guy uh, that goes and makes that a priority 
Um, and, and as monotonous as that may be for those guys, when they go and convene down in Glendale, when they ramp up spring training next March or next February, actually, um, who's going to be leading the charge there? Because I don't think TLR is coming back. I don't think Miguel Cairo is the guy. Let's talk about manager, next manager of the White Sox. Plenty of options on the table right now. Um, you know, I, I said this when we were golfing, guys. My, my pick for this is Willie Harris. He's a guy that interviewed for this team uh, in a managerial position. Uh, I was talking with our guy Besnick about it the other day. Um, you know, a lot of people will go and, uh, you know, it, just ride that narrative that the White Sox didn't do a managerial search before they brought in Tony La Russa. Fair. They didn't actually interview A.J. Hinch, the guy that everybody uh, wanted them to interview. But I do know that Harris had an interview. I, I think that he's your next successor um, to this White Sox managerial position. He's a guy that's uh, managed in this organization in the minor leagues, done some really good things. I think he's got to be on the short list. Scored the winning run in 05. He's got those White Sox ties uh, that you know that this organization likes. He's a, a good baseball mind, good baseball player when he when he played the game. Uh, I, I could see him taking the reins here. Obviously, you've heard uh, A.J. Przinsky's name mentioned as well. I, I know a lot of people hear these names and say, why the hell do we have to go down this road every single time? Um you know, and, and, and some of that is it's easier to do business with people, you know, some of it's a little bit of uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, you know, business practices in there as well, too. But overall, I think, guys, at this point, whoever comes in to manage is going to have one of the toughest tasks out of any White Sox manager in recent history. You know, obviously, Rick Renneria. Through the rebuild, there were expectations. Tony Russo been there, done that. Obviously, runs into health problems at the end. Made some questionable decisions that people had, uh, you know, taken taken him to task for. But whoever comes in here has a team that a GM has stated is ready to go, and they need to get the job done. Whoever it is, it doesn't matter. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it. It absolutely will be tough. And <clears throat> I think you made some great points there about Willie Harris. Uh, if you look back at some of the track history in terms of White Sox managerial hires, they've a lot of them lately have had ties with this team in the past. So if you look at a guy like Willie Harris, that's kind of like a Robin Ventura on steroids here. Uh, that's, a, that's actually a pretty good hire. Um, it's, you know, someone who's had ties to this team knows how Jerry operates things, knows how he likes things to be run. And as you said, has, has that experience being able to win these big games. And oftentimes as weird as this sounds, sometimes the best coaches are guys that aren't always playing because, because they see spent a lot of time out. on the bench. Exactly. They have a much different perspective on things. Kind of like I was in high school. <laughs> uh, you can really get some good, viewpoints on things and i think that willie would have that and when it comes to you know comparing him to the robin ventura like hiring like i said he's at least had an upward trajectory in terms of the 
experience and the responsibility that he's had. So had a pretty steady trajectory in the minors through the White Sox, spent some time with the Giants and the Reds as well. uh, And now spending some time with the Cubs major league team as their third base coach. I think that's a good hire uh, could really work out well. And you're even seeing NBC sports starting to write about it a little bit. Uh, The post game show today, Chuck Garfine and Ozzy were talking about it. So it seems like when stuff like that happens more or less um, when the media starts to get involved and starts to kind of pop these things out, seems like that could eventually be happening, could almost be like a feeler. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I think if you're looking for some, I think that compared to some of these home run type hires, you'd really be looking for in say a Bruce Bochy or a Ron Washington, you're probably not going to be able to make that happen. Uh, I don't think Ron Washington would want to leave his role in Atlanta for a team like the White Sox, how they're built. And Bruce Bochy's probably enjoying his, his uh, retirement with uh, the very solid finish he had there with uh, the Giants. I don't think you're going to drag him out of retirement like you did, like uh, the White Sox were able to do with Tony. Um, I think if this team was on a similar trajectory to how they were back in 2020, when the Tony LaRusso hire was made, maybe then you could coerce a guy like a Bruce Brochi to come and, you know, see if he can make his legacy stand there. But uh, I think something like that would be more or less a pipe dream and, a guy like Willie Harris or, you know, some other bench coach elsewhere would be a more realistic viewpoint. Do you guys think if Willie Harris is hired, there are going to be segments of fans who question the hire because a number one, he was related to the white Sox, and B number two has never managed a major league team before. Absolutely. But that's something that he's going to have to prove wrong. There will always be a segment that will question it if he wasn't whacking off the stats with the Tampa Bay Rays. So Yeah, that and White Sox fans were mad at the fact that Tony LaRusa managed too many games. Now you get a guy that hasn't managed any games. I mean, yeah, a nice happy medium would be good, but uh, with how things are with the White Sox, you're not going to get the dream candidate probably. So I think a guy like Willie Harris is as good as you're going to get, and you're going to live with the fact that he doesn't have any MLB MLB managing experience, but with that, he's been around the game long enough. I would trust him. Yeah, um, uh, you guys summed up a lot of that on Willie Harris there. I will say um, Boob Nightingale has written about Willie Harris. He did report that he did interview uh, during that process before PLR was hired, and then uh, he was mentioned in another Boob Nightingale piece at USA Today. So go ahead and be on the lookout for Boob Nightingale's work and he's usually got the fingers on the pulse of both Jerry and Kenny. So um, th- that'll probably give you a good indication of where the White Sox are leaning. Uh, if you remember, he was one of the first to kind of float the TLR stuff and people couldn't believe it at first, but of course, obviously. It also kind of makes sense now when he's the one who had the TLR stuff that, uh, you know, he's coming out with some, uh, Willie Harris stuff, right. and then you go like add, said, just, just start, start to add the pieces yeah. to the puzzle. Put them, put them all together right. here. There was just a report, I believe, from him as well that the White Sox front office before Tony was shut down, the White Sox front office was split on who is supposed to be managing this team next year, or even down the stretch. Certain segments like Miguel Cairo, somewhat Larusa back, others want to go outside. 
add in Willie Harris. Makes sense. No. At least to me. Let's be real. The only part of the front office that wants Tony Larusa back is uh probably Jerry. Yeah, well, right. right. Well, um, I will say just this. Learn from you. I mean, not that this should have even happened on this front, but come on. Let's not even fuck around with the Bruce Bochy stuff. That come on. Learn your lesson from what happened with TLR, especially at the end there. I've heard reports that I don't even know Bochy's even that great of health anymore. So um, let's, I want to squash that one. Nib it in the bud right, right now. I would probably, were betting man, place that money on Willie Harris as things currently stand, but we shall see as the offseason progresses. Guys, um, we talked about it a little bit in terms of that sort of log jam when it came to uh, positional players around a break. Let's go and move on the pitching side because the million dollars, excuse me, multi, multi, multi million dollar super pen never got the job done this year. Do the White Sox go and move anything out of that when you see emergences of guys like Reynaldo Lopez who are already there? Do you move a big contract that's already on the books that they spent so much money on? Um, over these past couple of off seasons uh, to go and acquire some of these. I mean, look at some of those names, Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graveman, um, not bad pitchers by any means. However, would they be guys potentially on the move or anybody else for that matter uh, on that front? Yeah, it's really hard, Johnny, because I like Liam Hendricks a lot. I really like his fire. I like his passion and, Overall, for the most part, he's been a solid anchor in the back end of this White Sox bullpen. There's been times here and there this year and and last year where he's 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 gone on these stretches where he's given up some runs and he's blown some saves and more or less he'll often correct it about a week or so later. But he's been a solid guy back there. And when it comes to playoff baseball and when it comes to high leverage situations, you got to get to the playoffs first. True. But <laughs> when you're there or in just any other high leverage spot in general, it's nice to have someone back there. Uh, at this point, he's not quite the tier of a guy like Emmanuel Classe within your own division and stuff, but he's still a good option back there. Now the question is with, him only having one year left on his deal and how relievers, as you mentioned, can be pretty cyclical. Um, I I don't think it's a bad idea to at least hear out some offers on right. what value you can get from Liam Hendricks on an open market. He so, might be one of your best trade chips, right? I think he is. And for especially for a team that's really gunning for one year of a big competitive push um, and not – one year with him is not that much commitment. Whereas if there were three or four years on his deal. Right. So I think a team like, like the Dodgers who have had their fair share of bullpen struggles uh, so far, the Craig Kimbrell experience hasn't really worked out for them. Similar to how it didn't work out with the White Sox last year, essentially doing the same yeah. shit. Um, and they were trade partners in the past, even though the Sox didn't really, quite get what they wanted out of that trade either with uh, an underperforming AJ Pollock this season. I wouldn't be shocked if the Sox and the Dodgers were on the phone a little bit this off season and we're trying to make something else work for that. Um, whether he gets moved or not is the big question, but I think a team like that or even a team like the Braves or just some of these other contenders that are very set pretty much across the board with the rest of their rosters, but are just really lacking that back end anchor, like a guy like Liam, 
or just um, looking for something to push yeah. more over the top, right? I, 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 I think it's a very good possibility. And then that could mean that the Sox have some trust in a guy like Reynaldo Lopez to be able to close out games next year. See, I would love that. However, my biggest concerns around this are number one, Liam Hendricks' arm. I don't know if that guy passes a physical in order to be traded at this juncture. Because you did have that yeah, where spurt. he said he was pitching with a torn or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah he said that two thousand eight or whatever. The right. And so I'm worried there. And there was a report that came out of, I believe it was NBC. I could be wrong where Liam had stated that he'd like to get back to a multi inning relief role where he's one of the more dominant guys can handle multiple innings. You already saw all sorts of usage issues with him this year. I don't know if he commands as much as what you would get for a top tier closer on the open market in, in, in trade value. I'd also like to flip it back guys you talk about a team that's looking for somebody to come into the back end of a game, close it down, do all that other stuff. The Sox are still supposed to be that team. The White Sox next year are supposed to be a team that's going to be competing for a division until stated otherwise. Until Rick Hahn comes out or whoever the GM of this team is and says, all right, we're not competing for the division this year. We're retooling. We're rebuilding. Whatever our word you want to use. <laughs> and Until that happens – Removing the one solid piece of the back end of your bullpen that you've had, I think can end up backfiring miserably on the White Sox. I would say from a value standpoint, a guy that, you know, has a tremendous upside to him, ready to step into another role, maybe a Ronaldo Lopez who still has some of that prospect history might fetch you something on the open market. I don't think either of those guys are going to come give you an answer in any of the big giant holes that you have one due to health, the other due to not having the pedigree to get it done. I worry that you'd have to package uh, either one of those guys uh, up to get anything relevant. Um, and again, it, it just depends on where this team wants to go next year. I don't think that they're going to try and rip things down. If we were talking about a full scale rebuild, I think Liam's one of the first guys out. I don't think we're there yet right now. No. So I think they you're going to end they up should not be. I think you're going to end up running it back with Liam as your Right. And, and I just want to I wanted to make this clear and we're not saying that the White Sox should fucking clean house and get rid of everyone. A, you physically cannot because there'd be too many people leaving uh, in terms of, you know, we we're talking about players that are ready to contribute now and where you're at in the standing of that. Um and then B, you still need to feel a team on the field regardless. So uh, there's issues there, Burn but I, I, that, and then also, um, you would have to imagine you got underperformance across the board, essentially, yep. um, when you're talking about these guys, I, I don't really know who overperformed expectations outside of Reynaldo Lopez, outside of Dylan Cease, maybe, um, right. But I'm talking about mainstays, position players, everyday guys. So when I just think about that, I think about your trading contracts and with Liam only having one year, that's why I brought that up. And that was something that we also shot the shit about a little on the golf course. So wanted to bring that in front of the camera here for all of our listeners. So um, guys, uh, it's going to be an interesting off season to say the least. Like I said, I do not envy Rick Hahn or whoever will be in that GM chair one fucking bit because once again, 
You absolutely can't tear it down, but you also got to fix things on the same same token. Um, it, it's a very tough spot to be in. And I, I think one last uh, one last thing that we're going to address here is the culture. And obviously, we've said this a million times on the Sox on Tap show, Tony, to be a fly on the wall in the White Sox clubhouse. I want that honest evaluation from both coaching staff, from the players, giving it to the front office, and then sending that up, even if the front office ain't going to be there, sending it up the rail. Uh, whatever it is, in identifying the core issues of what it was, because you know something wasn't right. When a team, you know, they go on that little run, so everyone thought it was just TLR, right? Well, that proved to not be the case when they rolled over and fucking died after losing just the one game against the Guardians. Shit, I know they still couldn't have taken the season series, and it would have been more of an uphill climb, but they still could have kept fighting, right? And say they won two out of three, they won the last two of that, then you're still in that mix right there. You're still in that conversation. So it wasn't just TLR. I'm sure he was part of the problem. It wasn't just him. I don't think we go Cairo's the guy next year. There is something wrong within that clubhouse, and I don't really know what it is. And I think that's what's most agitating for White Sox fans right now. How the fuck do you even fix that? It's it's very confusing. I think I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, we'll see a nice ESPN 30 for 30 <laughs> about what could have been with the, with, uh, yeah. the 2022 White Sox because, I don't know, these things don't really make their way to the media um, even within a year or two of them happening. But um, I'll be intrigued in like 2030, we'll say, uh, when especially when some of these players are done playing, they're on their own podcasts or you'll hear these stories in, media in lot B. Yeah. You know? yeah. You'll, you'll start to hear things be able to trickle their way through. And uh, as unexcited as I am to hear how painful and annoying some of them are uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm you want answers, right? I'm, I'm yeah. curious. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I definitely had a tweet somewhere in June. You pull up a bar stool next to Lance Lynn in some Indiana bar in 2030 and you say, what the fuck happened with this 2022 Chicago White Sox? And Lance Lynn tells you a story. That's exactly what it's going to be like. I, I it, It's just been such a year of false promises are one thing. Continuous underachievement is another. And, you know, Lynn said it best the other day. It's, it's, you know, when you're playing all year and, and you suck. You're playing and, like shit all yeah, year. when you're playing like shit all year, what else are you going to do? I, I don't know if a manager change would have solved this earlier. Obviously, it, it tailed off in, in the most important of times. So that kind of rests that notion uh, as to, oh, it was just the manager. If you want to go to, you know, the offense, there's been plenty of times where the offense has carried the pitching. If you want to go lay it on the pitching, there's been plenty of times where the pitching's had great ball games and the offense doesn't show up. It just seems like the team never really got in unison with each other. Right. I don't know if that's a clubhouse thing. Division. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's division in the clubhouse. I don't know if it's lack of try. I don't know if it's everybody just simultaneously had bad stretches at the same time. It, it didn't work this year at all. And I think that that's what leaves us, as you said, wanting answers because when you have answers to what went wrong, you can fix it right now. 
there doesn't seem to be any answers that right. like are, so are glaring. My, my, my plea is that I hope they just find them internally. And like I said, they're probably not going to be made public for years, years, years to come. But I want those resolved. And I will just go out and throw out a theory, some tinfoil hat time. There are clicks within that clubhouse, certain groups of people that don't get along with each other. This is yeah. just theory. This is based on nothing. I'm not a fly on the wall. As much as I wish I could be, I am not. There are clicks within there. So Willie Harris, when he comes in next year, because that's my prediction, also no basis in that, just my prediction, he is going to not only have to play baseball manager, he is going to have to play high school counselor and get these fucking teenage girls to get together, take the movie Mean Girls, and they're going to have the big conference in the fucking gym, and they're all going to have to fucking air it all out, and they're going to have to get it right before the 2023 season starts. That's what I got. Spring training is going to be more of a retreat, like you yeah. said, than it, than it will be an actual spring pre-season. retreat. Yeah, that's perfect. spring retreat instead of spring training. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you said, I mean, I it's hard to tell when you're watching these games from your couch or from the stands. But the only thing I can really think of is there's a real clear divide between the guys that are out there that really, really want it and that really don't and uh, could care less. And I wouldn't be surprised if it came down to the guys like, uh, I, I don't know, for instance, a, a guy like Jose Abreu or a Lance Lynn who really want to be there, really want to win these games, uh, speaking up to the guys that don't want to be there and are just kind of taking it. Going are, through the motions. Yep, yeah. They're just going through the motions, kind of taking this opportunity for granted and are just content with being the 2021 AL Central champions. Yep. So, all right, guys, uh, it's been tough, but it is over uh, both the White Sox playoff hopes and this show, this episode of Sox on Tap. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Make sure to go and subscribe on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Go drop your comments in here so we can feature them during future shows. We'll be here with you uh, for a couple more during this season and then, obviously, all off season. We'll have plenty to discuss as the news starts to roll in. So keep it locked in here at Sox on Tap and at on Tap Sportsnet on Twitter. Uh, go and check out ontapsportsnet.com for all written uh, content there. Uh, be firing off some takes there. And uh, until next time, boys, White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. Happy 29th and golden birthday to our boy. Yeah, Johnny happy Nani. birthday to this guy right here. Thank Johnny, you, Johnny. Uh, just one quick thing before we end officially. Um, this being your 29th year of existence, uh, just any sort of wisdom or advice that you can give some of our listeners here as uh, no, this is perfect. I'm sure this year has been, has felt like more than one year right. of your life. Yeah. Um, just any sort of advice or just things you've learned along the way that uh, you plan to take with you uh, here in year number 29. Never get up for the letdown. <laughs> know that for my sports fandom. And as the Jimmy, great Jimmy Conway, good fellows once said, never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Until next time. White Sox forever. White Sox forever.